Hello. This week, episode 13, I'm joined by Shalila Kalez, conservation biologist for WWF Peru, who is based up on the northern Peruvian coast. Shalila and her team dedicate their time to conserving Peruvian sea turtles and preventing accidental bycatch by fishermen. Peruvian marine life is extraordinarily rich and unique, which makes it so vital to conserve, as she explains. We discuss the recent tragic oil spill and corporate and governmental ineptitude, challenges of implementing a project to a 76,000 strong fleet of artisanal fishermen, brilliant solutions involving LED lights and much more. If you like this episode and would like to follow Shalaya's work, please follow the links in the description. And if you'd like to support us, you can make a donation at restoralplant.org or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Enjoy the conversation. Hello, and welcome back to Restore Our Planet podcast with me, your host, Jack Cole. Today, I'm joined by Shalela Kelez from northern Peru, uh, on the coast, that is. Shalela, how are you? Welcome. Hello, Jack. Uh, I'm very well. Thank you. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to, to join me. I thought we could start, actually, with some quite tragic news. Would you mind telling us a little bit about the recent oil spill um, that's taking place in, uh, in Peru, along the coast? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, well, uh, on the 15th of January, there was uh, a problem when a vessel was um, uh, loading uh, oil, uh, actually, sorry, uh, unloading oil to the refinery that is in front of the coast of Chorrillos in northern Lima. And um, the problem was that uh, the pipe broke and the, the oil spill, and it seems like uh, the company didn't know this because it was, I don't know, um, they were not uh, paying attention or something. Uh, at the end, more than uh, 250,000 gallons of, of oil were spilled. And this oil has been moving up to the shore, but also to the north because of the currents in that area go to the north. So um, now they have reached the coast of Chancay, no, to the north of Lima. And uh, it has been a disaster because the contingency plan of the company has not been uh, put in place. And so um, there was not, uh, they were not doing, um, they were not responding no, to, the, to the oil spill. And this was as a result, if I'm correct, of the, uh, the volcanic eruption in Tonga, if I'm correct in saying. Well, there is a still an investigation right. uh, about that because that's what the, the company uh, has said, uh, but also there is some other uh, people that were at the beach, uh, at the ocean that day that they were uh, in their um, sailboats. And they'd say that at that time there was like no waves or not not even wind so um there's a still an investigation in place so we will see what comes out from that and how has the reaction been like is this going to be a long-term problem or is the government is. kind of you know taking action to to clear things up what's what's happened so um sadly the government has been a little bit slow in responding uh, the good thing is that the, the civic society, the civil society uh, has um, responded. 
So um, NGOs and, and other groups has been getting together to talk about the issue and organize themselves. Right now, there is like seven different uh, groups that are working in, in different subjects, for example, you know, responding to the fauna that has been affected or responding, uh, you know, with legal uh, investigations. Other are responding to the needs of the fishermen that have been affected. And of course, all these groups are coordinating with the government, no? with the different sectors of the government in, in charge of, of those areas. No? So that's a, that's a good thing. Um, but uh, now uh, the government has a plan that they published uh, some days ago. So they are taking this in, in their hands now. Something we were, what well, I just mentioned before we started our, our started recording was um, when I was working as a journalist in, the, in Peru, um, there were consistent oil spills taking place uh, in Loreto through, you know, obviously extraction and things. And the government would keep, um, you know, shutting down these uh, these oil companies saying, okay, you have to stop, we have now to clean up and things. But there were subsequent oil spills. So it kept happening. You're sort of thinking, well, if the government has shut down oil extraction, why are these oil spills continuing? Um, and the answer was, well, the, the oil companies don't listen to the the government they kept extracting and it kept happening why is it in peru there is such a um a disconnect between sort of government and a lot of these sort of resource uh, based activities that, that you know has subsequently led to this uh this oil spill yeah, well, that, that's that's hard to to tell. Um, you know, there most of the oil spills are in the rainforest. You know, in the Amazon, and uh, they uh, had been like you know in places maybe not that accessible to to people as well. So they are not they haven't caught the attention of as many people as this one that has been really large. And, and a lot of people now is like, you know, seeing like what is happening, no? But uh, one thing that, that for sure is that, you know, maybe there is not enough um, monitoring and control of these companies. So they have not only their, their contingency plan in paper, but that they also have the, the capacity and the personnel and the funds and the infrastructure to to run, you know, the, the plan when when these accidents happen, no. So um, we hope that after this one that has been like the, the largest we, we have had uh, in the last I don't know twenty years or more, um, that uh, you know all this gets revised and that you know if there are changes that that need to happen, no, that that they will will change whatever is needed. Hopefully, wake people up. Um, well, the obvious, sure. yeah, of course, of course. Well, the obvious next question would be: what What effect on wildlife has this this late spill had? Well, the wildlife we we can see, you know, uh, often or, or easier are like the, the seabirds, no, and we have seen seabirds and especially cormorants and. and um, we also have seen uh, sea otters, some sea otters uh, dead, but also that they are also like in, in rehab. And, but the most important, I believe, are all the things we can't see, you know, all the species of, of plankton, all the eggs of fish, all the, you know, all that 
life, which is the basis for, for the rest of the, of the food chain, no? Um, those are, have been impacted uh, really important, you know, heavily. And thankfully, you know, the, the Peruvian current is very productive. So hopefully everything that has been affected could um, be uh, restored. Um, but um, we are uh, we are worried that you know if the oil doesn't get clean as fast uh, as it should be, you know it also goes down to the bottom, and then mm. it's harder to extract it from there, and then it will keep polluting that area for many 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 years. So. Um, yeah. yeah, and of course, you know, all the, the fish uh, from that area, you know, fishermen are, are not going out to fish in, in that area. So all the communities that have those areas as their ground or as the fishing grounds are, are being impacted, no? So um, a, lo a lot of people, uh, livelihoods uh, has been impacted. Yeah, and I think I saw a couple of people died, actually. Um, just to give Alyssa a bit more of an idea of where this has happened. So this is north of Lima. Is it? And do you have any idea how much, for example, how many miles or kilometers of coast this is? Uh, I had an estimate. I don't have it in mind right now. Um, sorry, I ambushed you with that one. Sorry. <laughs> yes, it's okay, it's okay. But it's from from Ventanilla for whoever has a map uh, close to them from Ventanilla oh, yeah. to Chancay right now. So um, yeah, so we have uh, we have the uh, two uh, areas that are um, in our uh, national protected area system that are being that have been impacted. No, so it also it's not only like areas with fishing grounds, but there are also uh, protected areas being affected. Just had a quick, uh, quick look, a very quick Google while you were uh, chatting there. Mm -hmm. and the area the size of 270 soccer fields is what I have. So there's a little bit of supplementary uh, information there. I've quickly looked up. So, okay, <laughs> um, so this is a bit of a foreshadowing question, but has this had any effect on, um, on sea turtles that we know of? Uh, so far, we haven't known of any sea turtle that has been stranded or that has been, you know, found uh, dead um, with oil. Uh, but pretty sure it will impact their the, uh, feeding areas, no? Because um, green turtles, especially, they, they uh, feed along almost the entire Peruvian coast. Uh, so, yeah, those areas. And what do they eat? Well, um, they eat um, many different things, uh, especially like algae. You know, in, in other areas of of the world, they are specialists in in uh, sea in seaweed. No, or, uh, how do they call it? In uh, pasto marino. <laughs> uh, like, but here, we oh, have sea like seagrass, something like this. Seagrass. Right, so in right, Peru, right. we don't have a, a lot of seagrass in our coast. It's mostly algae. So they eat a lot of algae, but they also eat, uh, you know, fish, some fish they can call, or they eat, I don't know, snails or crustaceans or other. They also eat a lot of uh, jellies as well. Like and jellyfish? Jellyfish, yes. Right. 
Winter just like in, in Paracas, in the south of, of, of the coast, in the area of Paracas, they eat a lot of, of jellies. When there are like blooms of jellies, they, they like uh, jellies. Paracas is but, nice. But, but in general, they eat things from the bottom, no? Right, right. Paracas is really nice. I've been there. It was, yes. I, was I was told it was the poor man's Galapagos. Uh, which, which says a lot about says a lot about me and uh, you know where I was when I was there. Um, brilliant. Okay. Well, I think that's a nice little place for us to open up a little bit. If you could tell us a little bit more about the marine life uh, in Peru more generally, about, and sea turtles, of course, uh, included in that, and why it's such an important part of the world for marine life. Well, uh, in Peru, we have uh, two different ecosystems, you know, one that is highly productive and, you know, it's the humble current um, ecosystem. And this is mostly like cold waters that, you know, bring a lot of nutrients from the bottom and, you know, there, we have a, like a boom of of sea life, no? starting with the, the plankton and then the anchovy, which is the queen or that food chain. No? It, it connects all that uh, nutrients and plankton with the rest of the, of the species. No? And we have like massive numbers of seabirds and then you know, sea lions uh, and cetaceans. So you know, that's, uh, um, it, it has less species than other ecosystems in, in terms of richness, but it has lots you know, large amounts of numbers in, of in their populations. No? Like a high and then in the biomass, we might high say. High biomass, yeah. Less richness of the species, but high biomass of, you know, the species that compose this ecosystem. And this is uh, around, you know, 70% of, of our ocean or Peruvian ocean. And then in the north of, of the coast, uh, we have a tropical ecosystem. And in this tropical ecosystem, we have, you know, like mangroves and we have um, warm waters that come from the north, from the Ecuador. And we share a lot of species with, with actually Ecuador, no? And, and the Gulf of Guayaquil has a, a, a very important influence. So here is where we have a species like, I don't know, hawksbills, for example, and we have the whale shark. And, um, you know, we have the humbug, um, humbug whales also that, that come to, to have, uh, to, to reproduce in this area. And it's also a nursery area for them when they have their, their calves. Uh, so, you know, there we have like a richness, a richness in number of species, no? And there are still a lot of species that hasn't been um, named. Uh, that a lot of scientists have like a species that they are like, we don't know what this is yet, but we don't have enough time to <laughs> describe all of them, no? So they are doing it slowly, but um, these are areas that, that still have uh, a lot of diversity um, to be described. Wonderful. And just for, just for our listeners again, you mentioned that the Humboldt current. Now, if I'm right, this is obviously a current, but it's, it's essentially like a sea swell that exists. I think it's like a couple, a couple hundred miles or kilometers off the, of the Peruvian coast. So fish fishermen go really far it's out, don't they? Exactly. No, it's close to the coast. It's uh, close. It's, okay. It's, yeah, it's very. It's close to the coast. Actually, if you, if you go, if you're in, you know, the coast of 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 Lima, and you go in the water, the water is really cold. But if you keep going, you know, straight out. 
then you will hit a, a, a warmer current, no? And this right. is like a con counter current. But yeah, the one that is closer to the coast is the one that is cold and it is the one that is uh, very rich in nutrients and where, you know, we have more uh, anchovy and, and, and other species, no? Right. Um, and we've mentioned the extremely high biomass of the Humboldt current, which therefore, of course, attracts many, uh, many fishermen, um, which brings us again sort of, you know, back to the, you know, the central point of our, of our conversation, which is what effects are these fishermen, more negative effects are they having on, uh, you know, what we're talking about, sea turtle bycatch? Um, yeah, would you mind sort of, you know, uh, Talk a little bit about that and why that happens, yes. how it happens, and and go from there. Yeah, so um, along our, our Peruvian coast, there are around 76,000 uh, artisanal fishermen. And it has been um, seen that the, the most important uh, fishing gear that they use are, are gill nets, no? And with gill nets, uh, sometimes they have, um, they catch species that, that they don't want to catch, no, that are not the, the target species, no. In the past, like before the 95, the year 95, 1995, uh, it was allow allowed to consume sea turtles. So whenever they catch a, a sea turtle, they, they will eat it, no, it, it was part of, of their diet. Uh, and there were some fishermen also that used to target these species, no? But uh, in 95, it, this was banned. And after that, now when they encounter uh, or get a, a sea turtle caught, and they have to set, the, set it free, you know, even if it is dead. So um, it, is, it is a problem for them you know, now that they are catching something that they cannot use. And also now these species are protected because, you know, their population ha has um, been reduced uh, uh, a lot. And for them, um, untangling a, a sea turtle from a net, it's a problem, <laughs> no? Uh, it takes a lot of time. If you want to treat the, the sea turtle well, of course, you can do it in a, in a really fast way, but, you know, treat the turtle in a, in a bad manner. So, or you know, you can damage you the, the nets as well. And you can damage the nets as well, no? So, and, and sometimes even, you know, you maybe have to cut parts of the net to unentangle the, the turtle uh, faster so you can keep uh, retrieving the nets, no? And so, so that's a problem. Um, and so... Um, there has been different like bycatch reduction devices that are being tested in general, you know, in, in many different fishing gears for different species. And for turtles, one, one device that has been tested not, not a long ago, actually, this test started in like around 20, 2012. Um, and these are uh, LED lights. LED lights. The LED lights. And, uh, and the color they use for sea turtles is green. And this is because um, sea turtles can see, is a, a color they can see the best, the, really? the, the green light, as opposed to the red, for example. If you right. go, <laughs> I didn't know that. If you go sometime to, uh, to see sea turtle nestings, you always uh, 
only have le uh, red, LED li red lights. So, you know, the turtle cannot see you. They, they cannot uh, see very well the, the red. That's really interesting. And just to backtrack a little bit, tell us about how sea turtle numbers have declined over the past 20 to 30 years. And also how that's measured, because that's also very interesting. Yes, so uh, all the species of sea turtles, um, I'll say in the last, you know, more than 50 or 100 years had been uh, reduced uh, a lot. After that, you know, there is a lot of work that has been done by the government and researchers and NGOs. And some of these uh, populations are coming back. No, and in, in some areas, for example, green turtles in Hawaii, they, they have, uh, you know, they, they have, they are recovered and now they are like not listed uh, as endangered anymore or in, in one of the endangered categories. But for example, where, uh, where we are in Peru, uh, from the five species that we have, um, leatherbacks are actually doing really, really bad in the Eastern Pacific. And also uh, hawksbills are, are, are not doing well either. And the others are a little bit better, like greens and olibridis. You know, greens are stable in the last 20 years, but, you know, not recovered to the numbers that they used to have a hundred years ago, no? So um, this is good, no? That that some of these species and all, all the work that to protect them are are are, are working, no? And um, how this is measured? So um, usually, um, these experts from that that are in the specialist groups of the IUCN, no, the International Union for Conservation of Nature. They have these standards and how this should be measured. And for sea turtles, what it is uh, easier and, and more exact to do is to count the nesting females. No, so um, I, I, and it is divided by populations. No, so uh, there are index beaches. No, and these are like beaches that that are important that has you know had uh, good numbers in the past. Sorry, Shreda. Sorry to interrupt. Sorry, my um, bad hearing. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, what? Sorry, there are indices. You said index beach. See, it's an so you, from all the beach that oh, are beaches. Nesting, sorry, of course, of course, beaches. Yeah. beaches of course, <laughs> no, 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 please, I don't apologize. Sorry. So some of them are selected with these index beaches, and right. and, and they uh, you count the the females in this. In these areas, and then uh, you know, over the the years, then you compare, you know, how much uh, has been the, the reduction or the recovery. You know, usually uh, it should be done um, after five years, uh, but for sea turtles, you know, maybe it's, it's more like ten years because they are long-lived species. You know, compared to, to other species that, that need to to have these done um, uh, sooner. How long do they live? Well, that's a really hard question. They say that, you know, around, it, it, they can reach 100 years. But of course, 
to, to measure these, it's, it's really complicated, especially, especially if it's in the wild, no? So you, a, you can okay. have this A better question, sorry, sorry, I was just thinking a better question might be how long can they live? <laughs> yeah, yeah, more than 100 years. For, more than 100 for sure. as well, of course. Yeah. Because the, obviously, uh, baby turtles sort of running along a beach, avoiding predators and pregnancy is a very iconic uh, image. What is this? What are the survival statistics of baby sea turtles? So uh, they say that um, from each, well, actually from eggs, they say no. What they have that they usually show is uh, from one, from each um, egg, um, no, from between 1,000 and 10,000 eggs, there is one that reached maturity. And that is breeding age. Exactly. So depends on if, for example, if, if it's a green turtle, it can be 30 years, 40 years. If it is a leatherback, it can be 20 years. You know, leatherback grow faster because they don't have this uh, hard shell. So they, they, they grow of faster than, than the others, no? So yeah, so from between 1,000 and 10,000 eggs, there is one that reached maturity. Right, right. Worrying. Um, okay. Well, you touched on the uh, solutions and the LED lights. Would you like to, obviously this is a bit of a, a, bit of a plug, but would you like to talk a little mm -hmm. bit about the project that Restore have been uh, supporting? And, and obviously it was a little bit disrupted because of the pandemic, like many other things, but if I talk a little bit about that project and yeah how you think that's going and, and yeah. other other aspects other solutions yeah <laughs> sure uh so these leds um you know peru has uh, it, it's been shown by researchers that peru has one of the highest bycatch rates for for some species you know like sea turtles in gill nets and you know besides some species of, of dolphins as well. But well, uh, talking about, about sea turtles, one of the solutions that, that we uh, have been testing are um, these LED lights, no? So Restore help us, you know, to get also these, these lights. Uh, and, and one of the things we were trying to do um, is uh, to have these um, uh, more accessible to the fishermen. So um, instead of buying them, what, what we did was buying them, buying the parts and then having local uh, women uh, ensembling the lights. Uh, and we did this, you know, in, in, in workshops. So women from fishermen community, from one fisherman community was uh, where uh, teach how to, to ensemble the lights. And then, uh, now uh, these women are in charge of these lights in this community. Now in this community, the fishermen use gill nets. Sometimes they use uh, jigs for humble squid, and sometimes they use long lines for mahi mahi. No, so when they go uh, to to fish uh, with gill nets, they ask the women that are in charge of the LED lights to to give them, you know, as many LED lights as they need. You know, it can be 30, 40, depending on the length of their, of their net. And then um, they, uh, they go out and fish and they have, 
keep telling us that they are uh, that they are having less um, less sea turtles entangled in their nets. And they, when they change gear, they give the lights back to the women. So the women, you know, change the batteries, maintain them, you know, see that they are working well uh, and all this. So in this in this community, these women are are now like part of this uh, of the of the fishing uh, activities now. So which is really nice because in general, in Peru, women are not uh, involved in in many parts of the of the fishing uh, itself. Now they are mostly in charge of processing fish, you know, cleaning fish, uh, cutting, um, packing and, and things like that, buying fish as well. You know, most of the, of the um, merchants in, in the landing sites are women, uh, but you know, this is given them also another role in, in their communities, which is really nice. Brilliant, absolutely. Okay, so speaking a little bit more broadly there, why is it so important to bring women into the conservation space um, through a, a, in a Peruvian perspective? Yeah, well, um, mm, you know, we all should be part of the, of, of the conservation, no? And as I was mentioning before, um, the fishing activity itself in Peru, it's been, you know, mostly only men. So they are the ones taking the, the decisions, you know, on how they practice the, 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 the activity and what they do, which species they, they catch and all this. Now, lately, there are some women going out and fishing in some places in Lima, mostly, you know, there are some women fishermen. Uh, but it's not as in other countries like Chile. Not Chile have women captains and, and oh, really? that, that go out <laughs> and fish. No, here is is not that common. So uh, we believe that um, there should be more space for women to participate in in the beginning of the of the fishing activity. No, Brilliant, absolutely. No, I can't argue with that. Um, okay, so we've discussed <laughs> LED lights. What other potential solutions are out there? Do you think? Even perhaps theoretical. Uh, for for Gil, well, there has been um, other things uh, uh, tested before. I I remember um, some people tested like uh, like the silhouettes of sharks in the nets. <laughs> so so you know, sea turtles will be uh, yeah, but are harder to tell. But for Gil, net, for for other. Um, and fishing gear, for example, uh, long lines. Here we, we fish a lot for mahi-mahi with long lines. Um, uh, we tested uh, like 20 years ago the, the circle hooks, but they were the, the ones that will give a difference in the amount of turtles caught were too large, no, were too big to, to catch the mahi-mahi the uh, stock in Peru. No? So they, they didn't work that well here. And so other things that, that we would like to try in the future, for example, for long lines, are to test um, lines that are more uh, stiff around the buoys in the, in the lines, because uh, research has shown also that some species of sea turtles are attracted to the 
the green buoys and, and, and to that part of the net that is floating and they go around this area and then they get entangled, no? So um, it will be in, in some colleagues in Ecuador told us that they have had good uh, results with it. So this is something that, that we also would like to, to test it in Peru. Brilliant, it's good. So anything else? Um, um, sorry, just having a little think really. Okay, so in terms of the future, what's uh, what's the good news, do you think, in, in Peru, Peruvian coast? Are things moving in a positive direction, would you say? Well, with sea turtles, um, uh, two years ago, we had finally uh, a national uh, conservation plan. So, uh, you know, it was work uh, with a lot of, uh, with the you know the government lead this initiative and it was worked with with fishermen and different uh, NGOs researchers and fishermen. So um, I think having this document uh, it has been a, a success and now there is like a, a working group that that works together and, and and gets together to try to accomplish all the all the objectives that are in, in this plan, no? year by year. So there are indicators per year of things that need to be accomplished and, and we get together to see you know, nationally how we, we are going to, to, to do this. No? So I think this is, this is really good and has um, put us you know, as a country in, in a good direction to, to coordinate efforts and to have uh, united goals. No? And so that, that's, I think, uh, a really good. We are also working uh, with the government, you know, testing these devices, not only for, for sea turtles, but also for cetaceans. So I, I think also the, the uh, working together with them with help. Uh, cessations was that, sorry to interrupt again. So just to clarify, yeah. cessations, no? So like dolphins. Uh, yeah. That sort of thing. That's okay. Yeah, um, brilliant. <laughs> okay. Some, um, <laughs> Excellent. Okay, and just to finish, Shayla, where can people find you if they want to support your work? Well, uh, in the webpage of WWF Peru. So that's uh, where we are. Um, we have our uh, our projects and news about our projects. Of course, fantastic. Okay, well, thank you for your time, and yeah, all the best. Thank you, Jack. Have a good day.